For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Welcome to Today's Entrepreneur, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, and my co-host, Fuller Landau, is Josh Miller. How are you, Josh? Yummy, thank you. <laughs> I think we're both doing very well tonight. That's because we're sitting in front of some delicious uh, cookie cakes, and we'll get to that in a second. But first, let's introduce our guest. Uh, he's a returning champion to the program, the founder of Felix Norton, Michael Eskenazi. Welcome back, Michael. Thanks, Dan. And you brought some friends, I see. Well, uh, it's just something new for you to for you to be among the first in the city to try. So the business has evolved so much, and we, we've tracked some of your progress, your expansion over the years, uh, new products coming out. Uh, we'll get to, to, to the cookie cake in a second, uh, but maybe we should start uh, a little bit more towards the beginning. Yeah, I mean, I, I, th I think, Dan, you know, uh, Montreal knows Felix Norton, and those that don't, who knows what dark ages they're living in. But uh, But maybe Michael can kind of, for those, for those few that might not know, tell us what Felix Norton is today, and then take us back about almost 30 years ago to where it began. 27, but uh, I did counting? say almost 30. <laughs> um, Felix Norton today is, is, as you said, a well-known brand of uh, gourmet cookies. Uh, that's what we've been doing for the last 27 years, is making uh, very decadent, filled with lots of chocolate, Belgian chocolate, buttery, soft and chewy cookies. We had uh, uh, close to 50 stores at one point, and uh, the business has evolved, so we now still have a, a number of stores uh, across Quebec and Ontario, but we're also selling our uh, products in grocery stores so that people can bake them at home and uh, enjoy the fresh-baked uh, Felix Norton experience in their own homes. Now, was this something that you always did with your life? Did you come out of cooking school, baking school, and say, hey, now i got to start a new product? How did this whole concept get started? Um, well, baking was always a hobby. I always had a sweet tooth. I loved chocolate from when I was a little kid, like a lot of little kids. Um, but um, it was only a, a pastime for me until the day I got fired from my job. And then, but your job had nothing to do with food? No, I was in uh, working for a chain of uh, ladies' clothing uh, retail chain. So, how did this idea come about? I had uh, been on a, a gone to a, a cousin's wedding in New York City uh, with my wife and uh, seen uh, cookie shops on every corner in Manhattan and enjoyed uh, nibbling on the cookies and saying, "Boy, I wonder why nobody's doing anything like this in Montreal. I could do something like this. I love baking cookies." And you started with one concept and one flavor and one store? Well, the, the concept, uh, there was one concept and one store, but it wasn't one flavor. We started with 10 flavors of, of cookies in our first shop on the corner of Queen Mary and Decarie in 1985. Now, did you, was this like a trial and error? Did you bake and test a whole bit different kinds just till you got the product right? Or did you just venture out with the first thing that came out of the oven? No, there were many months of uh, of trial and error. I did a lot of research. Uh, there was no internet, so I did. Uh, I went to libraries and uh, looked around. At, at, went back to New York and looked at a lot of those cookie shops and uh, tried to learn as much as I could about what flavors they were offering, what equipment they used, uh, what uh, where the the successful locations were. And then I came back and I started uh, just doing things very simply. I said, I want to make the best cookies that I can. So I guess I have to start with the best ingredients. 
Did people think you were nuts at first? I mean, it's it's one thing to pursue your passion, but opening a cookie shop, I mean, people must have said, Michael, you got to get, get a real job here. Uh, a, a, a prime example was my late mother-in-law, who uh, was so worried that we had uh, taken out a very healthy mortgage on our house to finance the store that she was uh, she, she she put herself uh, she, the anxiety put her into the hospital the day before the store opened, uh, and uh, we made her feel better by uh, giving her daily sales reports. Hmm. Now Felix Norton grew fairly quickly. At its peak, how many? stores or distribution centers were you? We were close to 50 stores across Quebec and Ontario. How did you manage that growth? What was the hardest part? What was the biggest lesson you learned from a growth to that size? Well, the really fun years were the first four or five when we grew uh, one or two stores a year and they were all company owned. Everything changed uh, six years after we started when we started franchising and our business uh, got away from uh, my focus got away from just selling cookies to selling franchises and it became a very different approach was it was it the the legal side of things was it become a lot of paperwork is it tough to find the right franchisees well the difference was when I when they were all my own corporate stores if I uh, woke up in the morning with an idea that of something new I wanted to do, I could just implement it the next day. Once I had franchisees, everything had to wait for the, the next uh, general meeting of franchisees, a whole discussion, uh, uh, you know, the uh, a sales pitch had to be made to all of them. And uh, you had to convince people that it was a good idea and uh, there, there was always this long delay in terms of implementing things. But did it make growth easier? If you had to do it all over again, would you still consider the franchise process? Personally, I think it was the biggest regret, the biggest mistake that I made. I know this is a very successful formula in some situations, but in my personal situation, if I could go back, that would be the one decision I would undo. Was it, was it the most difficult dealing with the different people? I guess it was, as you mentioned, it's, it's a lack of control issue more than anything else. Th that that was significant, and the uh, the lack of flex the lack of flexibility. Uh, for example, today we're very successful by distributing our products in grocery stores. In the days of franchising, I wasn't able to do that because franchisees saw that as competition. So even if it was the better decision for the way my business overall could go, it wasn't necessarily compatible with their needs. And you know, Dan, there's a lot of entrepreneurs that, you know, in as much as they try and think steps ahead or how it could impact a, a future aspect of the business, you can't always foresee these things. Sometimes it's, hey, you know what, growth, it's, it's while it's not easy, franchising is a great option, but maybe it's not for everybody. And sometimes entrepreneurs just have to take it a little bit slower before they move ahead. I'm curious to see what Michael has to say uh, to, to give advice to business owners out there who are considering franchising and what, what good experiences came of that, uh, that as well. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, Chartered Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com.
718 Inspiring Stories from Outstanding Business People. This is today's Entrepreneur, is presented by Fuller Landau, uh, myself, Dan Delmar, along with Fuller Landau's Josh Miller, and our guest, Michael Eskenazi, the founder of Felix and Norton Cookies. And uh, Michael, we'll talk, we're talking about your adventures in uh, franchising and some of the pitfalls there. Uh, in some cases, difficult to control the franchisees. What are some of the positives? Um, and, and what advice would you give to people who think that their brand is ready for a franchise? Well, certainly fan- franchising can help you grow much quicker, uh, especially a big change from when I started franchising in the early 90s to now is uh, how tight banks are. Uh, in, in those days, it wasn't as hard to get financing. Nowadays, it's it's really difficult. Franchisees bring in their own funds and uh, and do allow you to, to, to grow a lot quicker. Um and on the and the positive sides, I mean, in dealing with them, with were there what were the positive aspects that helped your business in dealing with franchisees? Well, I had some absolutely excellent franchisees that really worked hard and and promoted their business in their neighborhoods, in their territory, and really grew and became extremely successful. They they were the bright side. I had others who really didn't didn't do what uh, was necessary and. Uh, uh, um, were just dependent on us to bring customers to their store, which is, uh, doesn't always happen. And and as many businesses are, it's a lot about people. Whether you're dealing with the franchisees or your own people, how would you know? How did you deal with? What was your style with either the franchisees or your own your own human resources for all the corporate stores and manufacturing? Well, when it came to the franchisees, one thing I learned w- uh, more. A little bit too late uh, was uh, by being involved in the the world of franchising, I got to know other franchisors, and I I really observed that the ones who were extremely successful were the ones who were very strong characters, who who were very tough with their franchisees and enforced every rule to the letter, and if you didn't follow the rules, you were out. My style was very different. I was trying always to be friendly, to convince and sell my ideas to people, and uh, and that wasn't effective because there was a lot of uh, resistance and a lot of rebellion, and uh, way too much time was spent trying to convince people to do what was right when it should have just been an insistence, uh, do it or, or, or leave. Interesting point because it's almost as if uh, you have to communicate that you, you, you know that the model works, and you better follow my model in order for it to work for you too. Trying for the best interest of everybody, yet there's resistance. Mm-hmm. So, ha- so, so, Michael, how did did that style also? I presume you use that style with with your own people, your own uh, um, human resources, and your company as well. Well, yeah, uh, my my, you know, I had a, a wonderful relationship uh, with with so many of my staff. Some of my early staff members are still close friends today, uh, and. Uh, that was always my style was to to uh, be uh, a friend and a, and a, and, a, and a mentor to uh, a lot of the young people that that worked for me and uh, that also led me to getting hurt uh, sometimes by some of the people who didn 't see me as a friend but just somebody to um, see, take advantage of and unfortunately in some pretty negative ways. Uh, have you become more cynical? Has it changed your style, or you would you would pretty much be inclusive or transparent today with uh, with with the people that you work with? Uh, I still think I am who I am, and I, I, it's very hard to to change who you are. And did you have any family members working with you? 
well, I've uh, built this business and still work uh, right to, to today uh, side by side with uh, my wife, Gina, and she's my partner in every part of my life. And it, uh, it's the best thing that uh, could have ever happened to, to Felix and Norton and to, uh, and to Michael and Gina. Similar styles as well. You guys, you know, you agreed all the time. <laughs> I don't think any husband and wife agree all the time. <laughs> Let alone business partners. <laughs> yeah, uh, but uh, we certainly have a way of uh, of seeing things. Uh, we share philosophies, and uh, once in a while we have a good argument, and usually something good comes out of it that uh, makes us both uh, smarter, stronger, and, and helps our business advance. So a lot of love goes into the product. Uh, a lot of love comes out of the product, too. And we'll ask Michael in a second uh, whether or not he takes his work home with him. Uh, certainly with, with uh, your wife working with you, that should be interesting. Uh, Michael Eskenazi, the founder of Felix Norton, on Today's Entrepreneur. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 7.26 on Today's Entrepreneur. Our guest this evening, Michael Eskenazi, founder of Felix & Norton. Michael, you work with your wife, so we're going to ask you some personal questions now. <laughs> do you guys take your work home with you, or do you create some kind of separation between business life and home life? Um, no, it's a real blur. We, uh, first of all, we work, our office is in our home. Um, so we uh, basically... Everything kind of flows together. We work uh, seven days, seven nights a week, and we play seven days, seven nights a week. It's all part of our uh, the passion that we share. Now, Felix Norton is a long history. As you said, 27 years. You grew it, uh, I mean, for the first, I'm sure, decade or so, uh, give or take. It certainly on its way up. Was there ever a down period? There were some very, very difficult periods in the late 90s and early 2000s where we basically got uh, financially wiped out. Um, We made some major uh, business mistakes, uh, lost... a lot of our, our business and took a number took a number of years. The one thing that we always held on to uh, was our recipes and the Felix and Norton name. And we're lucky that uh, we we had worked hard and really um, always maintained our quality. And uh, the Felix and Norton name always resonated with uh, with Montrealers, with Quebecers, uh, with Canadians, and. Uh, Slowly, over uh, the last uh, number of years, we've uh, worked hard at, uh, at rebuilding around that brand equity. Now, it's certainly a, a well-known name, I mean, not only to us because we've spoken with you before, but certainly in, in knowing and talking with all the people around. Did that brand name and awareness really go away, or was it just dormant somewhere and you had to find some way to bring it back to life? Well, there were there were a lot of doubts, um, and that we had tried a couple of different projects to try to get things going, and gotten some feedback that people were saying, "Well, you know, Felix and Norton was yesterday, and you, you've, they've forgotten about you." And so uh, that was when uh, four years ago we uh, we launched our Felix and Norton Mobile Bakery, and uh, put it on the streets of Montreal, and started doing a lot of local uh, events at schools, at uh, parks, at festivals, and. And uh, Gina, my wife, and myself, we were the ones inside the truck serving freshly baked cookies again to, to our customers the way that we had always wanted to serve them. And we were a little frustrated that some of the stores were not serving them as fresh as they should be. 
And uh, we were able to get the feedback from people of all walks of life, uh, all cultures that, wow, Felix and Norton, and everybody shared their Felix and Norton love story with us. You know, it's interesting because uh, I was at a, uh, a port tasting a couple of weeks ago, and I ran into you and Gina, who are behind the counter at Felix and Norton. A lot of companies hired models to, to, to sort of uh, give out chocolates, but you guys, the founders of the company, were there yourselves. Uh, why do you why do you do that? Why do you want to to I mean, don't you guys want to rest at some point? We're it, it's part of us, and not only is it part of us. Well. It, it, a good reason at that uh, event, uh, Dan, was that we were, we're launching this new product, the cakes that are sitting in front of you, and it's very important for us to see what people think of them. We wanna we wanna gauge that reaction. We wanna we want that reassurance, and we wanna see how how people like them. This is your direct market research, in fact. Exactly. And marketing play. You know, when we're talking about branding and marketing, uh, sorry, we're talking about branding. Marketing plays an absolutely huge role. In the past, maybe it was paper marketing. Today, maybe it's more online marketing. But certainly in rediscovering a brand takes a lot of effort and time. Coming back after the break and after we maybe take a munch on some, some Felix Norton cakes, we're going to talk more about the marketing strategy that Michael's employed. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, Chartered Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 734, welcome back to today's Entrepreneur, presented by Fuller Landau, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, along with Fuller Landau's Josh Miller, and our guest this evening, Michael Eskenazi, founder of Felix Norton. And uh, we're going to get into a bit of, about branding now and marketing. And uh, to illustrate how, how close the brand is to Montrealers, uh, Carly, our intern here, I was walking by the studio, and she said, you know, I remember... When I was a kid living near Queen Mary, and I used to always love going up Queen Mary to Felix and Norton. I mean, people have all these kinds of personal stories about eating your, your cookies. How do you communicate that warmth to others who have not yet discovered your product? Well, the, I think that, that you know, you, we were talking before the break about uh, Gina and myself being the ones giving out the samples. We are so passionate about our product. You saw I took a, I dove into the cake tonight. Uh, I love it as much as uh, as everybody else, and so we can we transmit that. People sense uh, when they're we're face to face with them how much we, how passionate we are about the product, and and you know that one at a time uh, from our cookie truck or at uh, at stores, uh, it, it, it transmits and people uh, you know feel it from us. Now, the, co the cookie truck is a great marketing tool, but there's only so many people that you can reach, and especially that you individually, you and Gina, can reach yourself. How has is, how is your marketing changed from 27 years ago to today? Well, you know, as we were growing the business uh, with, with retail stores, we were using a lot of traditional advertising. There was a lot of, bud of our budget was spent on radio. There was some newsprint. There was uh, even the occasional TV spot and, and, and direct mail. But now we're focusing all our energy on social media. Uh, we've hired an amazing agency uh, for uh, ladies that uh, call themselves All Beef Media, and they are doing an amazing job for us in helping us get the word out because the, the way to share passion nowadays is, is personal. And uh, Facebook and Twitter are ways that people communicate what they care about to their friends, to their, to their circle around them. So uh, by, by getting the word out uh, in social media, uh, and these ladies 
are just so talented at it. Um, we are getting people to share with their friends when they take a bite of, uh, of one of our cakes or one of our cookies. They tell everybody they know uh, how good it tastes. And that's better than, than just a, a written advertisement. That's somebody you know telling you that, try this. It's great. Now, and when you're, I mean, you've, you've had, Felix Norton is synonymous with fantastic, delicious cookies. But now you're coming out with something totally new. You're coming out, and you and we have them in front of us, and you know they're absolutely delicious. I think we can ever, all attest to it. Anybody that's uh, that's here in studio that's tried them, how did you even get to the next stage? How did you say, you know what, cookies aren't just enough. What do we do next? Well, I'd been making these cakes for my daughter's birthday parties and other family events uh, by taking, uh, you know, cookie dough was always around because, of course, I'd been making it for 27 years, and I just had uh, these these recipes where uh, I just put really good things, so, uh, whipped cream and uh, chocolate buttercream in between layers of, of our cookies. And I told uh, the uh, the buyer uh, who I deal with at IGA, who's very pleased with uh, the sales of our, our cookie dough in the last year in all the IGA stores across Quebec, that I had these recipes. And she said, well, I'd love to taste them. And I brought her some to taste, and she says, this is fantastic. We would love to sell them in our stores. So we spent uh, the last eight months developing them and developing a, a signature packaging with, our, with all of our branding and... Uh, and uh, we just uh, have launched them. In fact, the first shipment went out uh, this very day, today, uh, to all the IGA stores, and they'll be arriving in their stores through the next week. And um, I'm excited to see if the public likes them as much as uh, the, uh, the, the, you guys and the, the people uh, that have uh, had the first tastes. Good stuff. <laughs> very good stuff. As, as Dan keeps feeding himself, I'll, I'll keep Couldn't asking questions. Couldn't wait for the commercial break. <laughs> uh, Tell me, do you have a marketing background? Are you relying on outside people? Or you have you have an input? You have a creative side. You certainly have a baker's creative side. That's no doubt. But what about the marketing? How much how much involvement do you get, or does Gina get into it? Well, it's 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 what I live for. It's what I do every day. But you can't do it alone. There, the, I you know I I'm surrounded by some really talented people. Uh, you know, there was also the the design agency stand uh, that has helped us redesign re, uh, our logo and, and take care of all our packaging, and it really stands out. Uh, we did a show last week for all the IGA managers to launch the new product, and every one of them said, wow, that is beautiful packaging. Customers are really going to be attracted to that. Now, you've, got, you've gotten into a relationship with IGA over the past year and a half or whatever it may be. How, what have you learned from dealing with a large organization well, they, they're intrigued by us because the, uh, you know, the, we have a different relationship than some of the big um, national or multinational corporations because they see us as entrepreneurial and flexible and ready to work with them and do things that help really promote, you know, and because I've given, made a special deal with them to allow them to have our product exclusively, they've been tremendously supportive of us because they know that if people are looking for Felix and Norton, they're going to come into their store and hopefully they'll buy other products while they're buying uh, the Felix and Norton product. So it's a win-win from both sides. But it just doesn't happen overnight. I presume there was a lot of energy and effort and planning and visits uh, that went into developing the relationship. 
Well, yeah, it's, it's about communication. It's about building relationships. But I think that's uh, a key thing in business, in in all aspects of business. Uh, you've got to, you know, you've got to deliver quality in your service and your products and all those things. That's standard. Everybody should be doing that. But but success is built around relationships. Now, IGA located in Quebec. You're going beyond Quebec borders now. Well, uh, IGA is in Quebec is owned by Sobeys, a company out of the Maritimes, and Sobeys has stores right across Canada. And uh, we have now got our uh, launched our cookie dough in all the Sobeys stores across Ontario. Uh, it's just just started also very recently, and that's very exciting for us as well. So we we're kind of expanding in two ways: we're expanding geographically by going into Ontario, and we're expanding in product diversification at the same time. Now, is all this done by you? Do you use a broker? Is it, have you had good dealings and finding brokers and whatnot? Well, when it comes to the retail, the, the dealings with IGA, I do this myself. But one of my struggles right now is I'm trying to find a, 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 a good broker that's going to help me to sell these products. These cakes, I believe, would sell so well in uh, some of the nicer restaurant chains. But to get into that business, I need a, to find a good uh, broker. Uh, and it's not easy because all the brokers that I uh, that I uh, who's uh, uh, who who I look up seem to already represent somebody else in the cake business, and uh, that, so it would be a conflict for them. So if anybody out there knows a good broker for me, <laughs> let me know. Is it different dealing outside of Quebec? I mean, is it are there any you know e- either uh, business practices or is it the same? You know, just keep pushing and and you'll you'll try and get there. A lot of the stereo- I'm finding that a lot of the stereotypes about that uh, us uh, Montrealers or Quebecers have about Ontario seem to be true in the business world as well. They're uh, uh, a very you know they're, the Quebecers are just so much more passionate and ready to to follow the passion of the uh, share my passion. Whereas in Ontario, it's a lot more cut and dried and business like, and it's about numbers and uh, uh, it, it, it's a different attitude, and it's a very hard to. Uh, communicate uh, some of my and share my passion in uh, in Ontario. It's it's a long slow grind. And is because you're dealing with some larger stores and locations. Is it about buying shelf space? Um, I don't know yet. I hope not because <laughs> I'm not in the league uh, to compete with the guys who can afford to pay the big dollars to buy shelf space. Now, you have the again. You have this this great brand. This this. Uh, great product in the cookies. You started in, you know, cakes, although you've been doing them for a long time. It's just a question of now making them actually. Do you have constant ideas that run through your head and saying, well, what's the next best product that Felix Norton as a brand can deliver? Oh, yes. I've got I've got a, f- a few more products in the bullpen that are, uh, you know, if, uh, if I shouldn't even say if, when I make these cakes work and when they become a big hit, I, you know, I want to be already working on the uh, the next big product, and I've got uh, I've got two right now, and uh, that I that I'm playing with that uh, I'm hoping will be ready to launch uh, by next year. Do you bounce your ideas off of various people? Are you are you you feel like you're operating in a in a silo sometimes by yourself? Well, you know. It's it's not as if I'm selling um, uh, metal parts. Uh, this I'm selling something. I'm making something that people enjoy. There, not very very many people are going to say no thanks if I say, "Would you like to try my new cake? Would you like to try my new idea for ice cream sandwiches?" People line up. They all say, "When can I come over?" We'd, please, please. I mean, it's it, it's it's easy to share sweets. 
Th Michael, thank you. The, the ups and, and downs and now back up uh, it certainly makes for a fascinating story. I'm sure we've only heard a uh, tip of the iceberg, but it's been really fascinating. And to hear the, the passion and the, uh, just the, the, the sheer energy behind it is, uh, is truly something. Michael Eskenazi, founder of Felix Norton. Thank you, Michael. In a moment, we'll bring in Patrick Sullivan from Furlilando into the conversation, and he'll talk to us, Josh, about uh, dealing with banks in a more unorthodox way. Exactly. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Inspiring stories from outstanding business people. Welcome back to Today's Entrepreneur. My name is Dan Delmar, along with Josh Miller of Fuller Landau, and our guests this evening, Michael Eskenazi, founder of Felix Norton, and we bring into the conversation Patrick Sullivan. Patrick is a partner at Fuller Landau and the trustee, and it's Josh, time to talk about banks. Well, you know, we heard Michael mention earlier that financing becomes more difficult, certainly in the franchise world, but certainly with entrepreneurs and different types of businesses, it's not necessarily so easy. So the question becomes, well, if it's not conventional banking, like what other types of loans or financing are out there? So Patrick, I'll, I'll throw the question to you, having dealt and worked with so many various banks over many, many years, what, what today is, is an alternative method that you find quite viable for many companies? Uh, in terms of companies, I mean, over the years there's been an evolution. We used to call traditional banking where your banker would lend you money on your receivables, your inventory, and, you know, based on certain criterias. Today, what has evolved is we're going through uh, somewhat the American model of doing financing. Uh, they have been using asset-based financing for decades now. Uh, I would tend to say that about over 80% of the transactions that are done in the U.S. are are done on that model. Now, what is ABL? We call it ABL, but it's really asset-based lending or financing, where the banks will lend more money on those specific assets, short-term assets, receivables, and inventory, but they will monitor uh, the amounts of money that they lend on it on an ongoing basis, giving flexibility to the to, to, to the borrowers. And this is a, a heck of a lot uh, less risky for them, I take it. Definitely not. Uh, the bank's ABL financing is non-traditional, and the risk level is higher. Really? That's why the monitoring is, is closer. And uh, the best example is an ABL, uh, banks will lend you up to 90% on your, on your receivables, sometimes even 100% on those receivables, where, whereby in traditional banking, you'll never see anything more than 75%. Uh, so it's very different very demanding but it gives you a lot of flexibility uh, and it, it, it's definitely a product that that is uh, evolving uh, mostly because people are selling their businesses there's management buyouts out there and it's a very nice vehicle uh, enabling to do those things now with the bank monitoring much more closely and much more frequently what does the entrepreneur have to be aware of? What are the challenges? Does he have to make sure that, uh, you know, it's no longer information that's going to the bank every quarter or every six months? Uh, you know, how frequent and how detailed does this information have to be? Well, because obviously the banks are lending more money on receivables and inventory, uh, information has to be supplied weekly to the bank. Uh, yes, the flexibility is there because normally you have a line of credit which is authorized and you can, within those parameters, use it and report monthly in traditional banking, whereby in ABL financing, your line of credit is modified every week. 
depending on your needs and depending on the assets that you're giving as collateral that specific week. The best example is, for example, you're selling to uh, a key customer and you will be delivering a million dollars worth on the Friday. Traditional banking, you would get the availability only a month later. In ABL, the following Tuesday, you may get 90% of that million dollars deposited into your bank account for you to use. So the biggest argument is you can use that flexibility in order to get discounts from your suppliers, pay your bills faster, but obviously the reporting required is different. Coming up in just a second, we'll talk uh, with uh, Patrick Sullivan about dealing with banks, but also get a, some words of wisdom from Michael Eskenazi, the founder of Felix Norton. What would be his one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur that's coming up next? It's 7.53 on CJ80. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 7.56 on today's entrepreneur. Our guests, Michael Eskenazi, founder of Felix and Norton, and Patrick Sullivan, uh, partner, trustee with Fula Landau and Josh. We're talking about dealing with banks in a bit of an unconventional way. And Patrick, you were telling us about asset-based lending, ABLs, and some positives, you know, certainly can generate more cash flow, but there's certainly possibly some, some downsides or some, some things that entrepreneurs should be aware of before they would consider such type of, uh, of borrowing. What would those, what would those be? Well, definitely the cost related to these types of transactions, this type of financing, it's, it's a lot more expensive than traditional financing, obviously. Not necessarily at the offset, but because of the related supervision that's required, where people will come in every three months, do a review of the books, uh, having inventory appraisals done every three months. All those soft costs add up. Plus the fact that when you have to input information and send it to the bank weekly, well, you're going to have one of your person or m maybe two of your people working, preparing that information for it to be given to the bank. And the bank, you know, certainly geared and they come in every three months or periodically to review the information? Absolutely. And it's obviously at the cost of the borrower. Always at the cost of the borrower. That's the way it works. How much do these things tend to run? Uh, field exams? Uh, no, reviews the whole, the whole, or whether, whether it's whether it's interest rate, it's field exams, if, a total cost. Well, if say. you you know, a, a rule of thumb, you're probably looking at anywhere between prime plus five, six hundred basis points. That that as a rule of thumb, that that would be pretty much it. So the ability to get more funds, but you're gonna pay for it. Absolutely, nothing is for free. Exactly. Maybe except some of these delicious cakes that are in front of us at the moment. <laughs> Which brings us back to Michael and uh, and our guest of the hour. Michael, uh, you know, certainly in your 27 plus years uh, of experience, tell us what one piece of advice would you give to today's entrepreneur? Well, the, you know, thinking about the things we talked about tonight and, and, and my 27 years, there's two things that are tied together. One is my passion and the other is relationships. And what I've discovered is that you have to groom those relationships, but you also have to find the people that share your passion, that understand your passion. And those are the ones that are really going to help uh, be your, your brand ambassadors, your, you know, whether it's the people at uh, IGA or the, the, the ladies at All Beef Media. They, they, they understand what we're trying to do, and they, they share our passion, and they, they really help grow our business. My brand ambassadorship started many years ago when I donned the Felix and Norton uniform. That's and true. Serving, I forgot about and that. And <laughs> serving those delicious cookies day in and day out. 
Michael, thank you so much, Dan. The quick takeaway that I get, and clearly passion's part of it, mm-hmm. but I don't want to. I, I want to touch upon something else, uh, and that is knowing your brand and knowing not knowing when to stop, but knowing when to go ahead. Knowing when, you know what? Don't rest on your laurels. Don't rest on your own product line. There's got to be more. And entrepreneurs, deep down, they know that there's more. They know to keep going after that prize because sitting on their existing product, as delicious and as great as it may be, if you continue that forever you might just fade away. So always look to the next gold ring that's sitting there and always look to the next best thing that you can provide, building on a monster brand. And always staying on the ground, too, as I mentioned, bumping into Michael at the Felix Norton table, serving the cookies himself. Uh, really impressive and shows that you're still connected to the brand. So, Michael uh, Eskenazi from Felix Norton, thank you so much, and thanks for the delicious cakes. And Patrick Sullivan uh, from Fuller Landau, thank you as well. Don't forget, you can reach Fuller Landau during business hours at 514-875-2865 or visit www.flmontreal.com. More of today's entrepreneur, ne- today's entrepreneur next week, rather, at 7 p.m. Have a good night.